All right. Thank you guys for making your way over to Live in the Garage by your host, E. On today's episode, I will give you an intro of who I am. We will discuss briefly the Astros and my view on where they can go, as well as a little bit about basketball, not too much on football and some of the TV shows. I was going to go into the shot. But I forgot it during this episode, but do not worry. We will discuss where the hell is Keisha and what's going on in that in due time. As well as race and politics and life, I want you guys to uh, sit back and buckle up. And thanks for listening. All right. Live from the garage. Next. Question. How many faking they streams, getting they plays from machines? I can see behind the smoking members, niggas ain't really big as they seem. I never say anything, everybody got their thing. Some niggas make millions, other niggas make memes. I'm on a money routine. I don't want smoke, I want cream. I don't want- good morning, good morning. Welcome to my podcast. If you have found it, I am your host, E. I go by a variety of nicknames, and you might hear them from certain guests. So I'm just going to tell you who I am and how I get down. All right. My name is Eric. I go by E. I have a nickname that you might have heard if you know me called Smooth or Smoothie or Biggie. You name it, probably had it. I've called in the multiple sports radio shows, and, uh, you know, I just thought to myself, start a pod. You, You like to talk sports politics, life. You had a blog. Why not do a pod? And uh, let's just see where it takes me. I am, just to let you know a little bit, a 42-year-old who has served in the world's greatest Navy, got out, did some college, and been working in social services longer than I can probably care to remember or tell you. Let's just say I have done enough social services at all levels to where if you had a question I could answer it or point you in the direction of someone who can. I've worked with CPS, APS, people with mental disabilities. I've worked with the elderly. I've worked with youth a lot. And this, I mean, I, I did it. <laughs> Again, if you had a question about it, if I didn't know the answer, I could probably point you to someone who did and get you a quick turnaround if that's your thing. But that's not why you're here. You're here because you hit a tag for sports or lifestyle or black men's musings. And thus, it brought you to my page or to my podcast, we say. I like sports and we're going to start there. And with sports, a couple of my teams are the Texans. I'm from Houston. So therefore, I'm a Houston Texans fan. Doesn't mean that geographically I'm tied to them, as you will learn. But... I was down since day one when we was losing with David Carr and trying to come up with all kinds of excuses as to was it coaching? Was it just lack of mechanics? Been there that long. I, um, I'm also an Astros fan. and I'm not a Johnny come lately Astros fan. I am a 1986 and seven when we didn't have the world's best teams, but we kept doing what we had to do to win. And we had the names like Eric Anthony and Tony Hatcher and, and Kevin Bass. Yeah, I know all the black guys, right? But, you know, my favorite guy was actually uh, the young Craig Bezio who played back catcher and second base. And then he ended up playing outfield and got gold gloves in almost all three of those. I, these are things that I can talk about all day. The old Astros, 
the Texans, and my third team, the Lakers. I am a semi-new Lakers fan. I joined them before LeBron. I, I became a fan of the Lakers. Right as Kobe and Shaq were taken off and the divorce happened. The divorce of Kobe and Shaq cut me deep. I was a Kobe fan because I thought the media coverage was unjust against that man. We don't know the facts of what happened. I believe he laid out a good enough defense, but that's my side. I have lost friends because of that debate, but I will die on the Kobe Bryant with Innocent Hill. May that man rest in peace. You're probably saying, why aren't you a Rockets fan, though? Well, I'm not a Rockets fan because the Yao Ming and what's the guy's name? Steve Francis, that era broke every bit of my heart I had left. I almost left basketball because I was so frustrated with the decisions that the management were making around that time. You know, you could get a lot with that, y'all. And I, and I was a T-Mac guy, too. I felt like T-Mac and y'all had a good championship in them if they were coached right and they had a better scheme. But alas, they never did, and that's where we are. Imagine if they were doing low management for Yao Ming and T-Mac back then. I guarantee at least one championship, but now we'll never know. And I think we squandered away the careers of two good gents and possibly a third in T-Mac. I mean, possibly a third in uh, Steve Francis. And if you've been following him, you kind of know how that's played out over the years. Um, but my Lakers love has been here since then. I've been through the ups and downs of the Smush Parker era. I've been through, you know, Kobe getting the rings and, you know, Odom's issues and the purgatory when we had Ingram and um, Kuzma, the young guys, and, and deloaded. I thought we could have did a lot with that squad. Actually, I I still monitor the career of those guys that we traded because we could have had the basis for a pretty good future nucleus, but the Lonzo Ball choice kind of hurt us. I hope he does well, but we probably could have drafted better athletes at that time that were in that draft. But that's where we are because of the choices that you make, right? So those are my sports teams. It's a little bit of my background on that. I also love tennis. I love uh, golf to some degree because golf kept us going. I mean, that was one of the first sports to come back during COVID. And you guys know we couldn't watch or do much. So golf kind of worked. When I'm not watching sports... I uh, I watch Netflix, shit time, a lot of fucking Netflix. Yes, this this Nef this uh pod will have me curse from time to time. If you can't handle that, there are millions of pods out there. I shall warn you, some of my favorites they curse in those too. So there the hell you go. Um, <laughs> watch a lot of fucking Netflix. I love it. I love it because, you know, it's cheaper than cable. The shows are the same. And at most, you're only an episode behind, and with enough technology these days, you can hunt them episodes down. And Netflix originals, man, they hype me the hell up. I, I will argue anyone down that Netflix can do no better or no worse than Narcos and Stranger Things. Those two, amongst their other shows, guys, you don't have to flood me. I, I know them. Trust me. Me and my wife literally just got through watching Indian Matchmaking. <laughs> you know, <laughs> talk about some weird, but um. There are tons. There's tons. You know, Tiger King. But these are all the new ones. Though. Those of us who are OGs, we go back to Orange is the New Black or, you know, the show with um, Kevin Spacey as Frank Underwood. You know, we, we can remember these and, and, and cite them. And that's when Netflix was getting that, their feet off the ground and really making processes. But I watched the shit out of Netflix. Uh, I've watched every Narcos, every series. And when they drop the new ones, I'm sitting here waiting for it to come down. Um, 
I also like Hulu, man. I didn't think I would. But, you know, Hulu has some real good documentaries, just like Netflix does. But the show that got me on Hulu was Handmaid's Tale. And I hate, I tell everyone to this day, I hate that I was late on that show because it is so well written and uh, has so many points to ponder that, I mean, though it's dystopian and those shows kind of really piqued my engagement, I will say that that view of America scared the shit out of me. And I'm somebody who considers himself to be a Christian who who wants to do right and hope that it ends me in, you know, God's good graces. I will tell you, if you're looking for perfection, you are on the wrong podcast because I'm far from that. But I will say that I'm just me, you know. I live my life and I'm an average Joe. Do I have the gravitas to talk sports? Well, let's see. Or entertainment? Let's just see here. Um... TV babysat me. <laughs> you know, my parents were supportive. They allowed me to have a lot of free range and doing things as long as I was done with my homework and did my football and basketball practice, etc. But TV babysat me, man. So I can say that I, I can't speak on these things. I, I am a, you know, non-certified historian when it comes to my favorite sports teams and my favorite sports uh, groups, you know, categories, um, organizations. I will talk to you at nauseam about football college football, basketball, and my shows. And I will also have the tough conversation, which brings me to my third point. We will discuss race on this show because before George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and Ahmaud Avery and the many others, there was, you know, the case that went down in Ferguson, the case that went down in Florida. I, I, can, I can rattle off so many that, I don't have to tell my people who are listening what they already know. But what I will say is we will cover that here. And I'm going to give you my version of what I see and how I feel about it. And if it gets too raw, I suggest you don't listen that day. But I'm not going to hold my tongue. I might blend all those shows and give you one segment of each each week. And I think that's a good way to start. So I'm not marrying you to this is only a sports episode. Because I think the variety is that we need to have. I think the beauty and variety is that it provides you guys an insight that I'm a well-rounded person, not just some sports jock or some current events junkie or some, you know, TV show. And that's all I talk about. I got range and you will hear the range. We'll talk about politics, um, education background. I am a public policy bachelor's degree holder and master's degree holder. And I'm about to finish this criminal justice master's. I just been real lazy. But it's due to be finished in February. I started a PhD prior to this criminal justice program, but honestly, I hated research. <laughs> it's just not something I'm good at. I, I like to research my sports, but my job, not so much. I might get back into it. I'm not saying I won't. I'm just saying that right now I'm, I'm comfortable where I'm at because it, it helps me with law. I love the law. I'll just say that. Um, in life, man. The shit I see and go through on a daily basis, it's pod worthy. I I determine that it is. And that um, so much so that I feel like if you knew it, you'd be like, why didn't he put this on the podcast? I've had phone calls. Typically, when I talk to somebody, and maybe it's the Virgo. We love facts, knowledge, and the ability to obtain it. And Virgos are quick to pull the receipts. So when you're on the phone with other Virgos, Mind you, my brother's a Virgo. My first cousin's a Virgo. My nurse is a Virgo. 
These phone calls extend because we start talking about one thing, then we rattle off to the other thing. And it's always fact, 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 fact. You know, whose fact was more substantial? You know, shout out to Jada and uh, August, by the way, because those two Virgos kind of made the past two weeks interesting. But that's what Virgos do, man. Y'all probably saw that and was saying to yourselves, you know, what the hell is this conversation, right? But <laughs> for us Virgos, we got it. There's going to be a point of proof where you have knocked us off of our hill because we have planned to die on it, no matter what you say. And odds are we have already figured out your response, and we've crafted two responses to it because that's what we do. I, uh, I apologize not for my actions. I will say this to these people who I bring on as a show host or who I bring on to fellow co-hosts with me, that uh, it might get real, it might get raw, but we will always have fun. I will always be respectful of your time. And hopefully, as the show progresses, you know, there will be conversation. But for right now, anyone who wishes to be a guest, you do so, knowing that all I can provide you is a fellow ear and a platform to vent. And I will do that at will, because I feel like if you guys want it, you should have it. Um, I'm not the typical interviewer. I believe the floor is open. We should discuss topics equally. And if we disagree, we disagree. All I ask is that you introduce yourself, who you are, what your platform is, and then we jump right into it. So, with that being said, that is the intro to who I am, what I do, and why. If you have any questions, you can find me one of two ways. You can email me at eric underscore edwards3 at hotmail.com. Or you can... Hit me up on Twitter at Fresno underscore Eric. And it's just that simple. I will get it. I will read it and go from there. You're probably saying, Fresno, wait a minute. I love. I live on the south side of Houston, but I was born in the north. The military brought me back here once before briefly, but not too long. So I moved to the south side. I like it. I have no regrets. That being said, that is my intro. If you guys got any more questions, I gave you the way to contact me. And that is the first segment. Once again, it's your boy Ian. I wanted to come to you guys about sponsorship. I currently do not have one. I have been on pods where they have had them, but I don't have one. And this being a new platform, you can hop right in for the low, low cost. You know what? We'll discuss it. <laughs> Let's just say I'm not too picky right now and the prices are bargain basement. That being said, if you want me to promote anything or give you a shout out, all you got to do is hit me up and we will discuss the ways to enhance your product. All right. Back to the show. And we are going to discuss baseball in this next segment. If you got questions, comments, or concerns, you know how to get a hold of me. All right. We are back, and we are talking baseball now. I don't know if you know this or not, but two days ago, the season started, and the Astros played last night, and me being an Astros fan, as y'all caught from the intro, we are going to talk them heavy. A couple of quick takeaways. I wasn't too happy with the way the 
mash process was in the game before it started, but I guess we're still learning. Because you see guys in the outfield who are distanced socially with masks on, but guys in the infield without them. That confused me. I didn't know why that was the way that was, but that's what it is. Um, the broadcast, it seems different when there are no people in the stands or the bleachers. So you are basically seeing basically what equivalents to a Mariners and Baltimore Orioles game. And before y'all come to me, if you've seen those goddamn games, you know them bleachers is empty. You know, the Chicago White Sox. <laughs> but this is the Astros, the team that's been sold out. I know because I've been struggling to find tickets. And when it's looking like that, it's a little disappointing. But, I mean, you understand why. COVID is doing what it's got to do, and we got to socially distance to include in these stadiums and arenas. Um, just off topic, as someone who plans to go to the Titans-Texans game because I bought the damn ticket and the airplane and the hotel room, I fully understand there's a great chance I might not watch them face-to-face, and I got to be okay with that. But I don't know, man. I guess seeing it differently when you watch it on TV, it was really an eye-opener. I didn't get into the Korean baseball leagues, none of that shit, so I couldn't really eloquate how that would make me feel, but watching it was was different. But on to the sticks. Um, You know, Justin Verlander, to me, looked okay. I'm not going to say he was dominant. Because he gave up a home run. He led the league last year in doing that. And up again, he gave up a home run. But I'll take a win. I'll take seven strikeouts. I'll take command and control, which is his calling card, any day of the week. He um, got one guy just to basically stand there. And he does that. He'll freeze you in a heartbeat. And that's that's really all we can ask from Justin. So I have no issues with him. Devo came out and did his thing. The bullpen looked decent. But them sticks, man, we don't... We're going to have to have that conversation. It's early, but with 60 games, you don't have time to warm up them sticks, Jose. I know you had two strikeouts. You know, Breg, you know, he. these guys typically catch fire around game 30. We have 60 games. And the team who I project to go 48 and 12, which I think will be enough for them to get to the World Series and do what they got to do, I just – we need to see it hop a lot faster in the fifth and the sixth when you start playing teams like the Yankees and the Red Sox who won 13-2. to two. Gary Cole came out and looked crazy, too, in his performance. And, oh, by the way, them damn Dodgers won 9-1. These are the teams that we have to face. I, and, I, and I fully anticipate they will be ready, willing, and able. You know, or let's not forget Tampa Bay in Oakland. These are the teams, guys. We need that bye. If they're doing buys, we need the buy because our age is not on our side right now. And we do not have Jose Arquiti or Forrest Whitley for whatever reason in our five men. I need someone to explain to me how that shit works. I take a win, but now I am astro-critical guy. I need our wins to be dominant because we have to set a precedent quick. We are not in the position of just taking ho-hum wins and moving when you have 60 games. Yes, for the people who are following this pod who just got on or whatever or who weren't active baseball followers, it's typically 160 games where you get to know your team. Yeah, we got like, you know, less than half of that. And that's where we are. And that's what we get. So my first comment as it relates to pitching is I'm happy with Verlander, but I got questions about where we're moving. Um, if my number two is Lance McCullers because he gets 12 stars and that's what he's going to bring to the table, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with Zach Brinke. But no 
Okurity. No, no Okurity for number four. No, uh, perhaps Framber Josh Combo for game five. Whoever's hot gets to start kind of thing. Or is it going to be a bullpen by committee whenever those two guys run up there? Because that's what I saw on the CBS Sports app. I don't know the true five men because thank you, T-Mobile, for giving me the athletic. But even Kaplan, he didn't you know put anything out there on who the five men would be. And I followed Taggart and everyone else, the Astros guys. I haven't seen it. You know, if it's out there and I'm wrong, but it looks like Josh James is fourth out the bullpen where we'd rather have him, but he's the fourth starter. And Framber's the fifth starter. I'm not okay with that. And I'm not okay with Framber, guys, because Framber does this thing where he has to load the bases to start cooking. And that drives me up the goddamn wall. I'm okay with the bases being empty in one, two, three innings. I'm okay with, you know, you may have got one hit, but you shut everybody else down. I'm okay if you walk a guy from time to time, but everyone else gets shut down. But Framber will have you in here with one out, bases loaded, one run scored, and the power hitter do up. And you're just looking, and you're waiting on Brent Strom to come out because you just need somebody to sell this young man down. That's our fifth starter. 12 games, he is projected to start the way I currently understand it. So I think to myself, can I put up with that? And the answer is no. I don't have enough blood pressure pills for that shit. I shouldn't have to require it. <laughs> I'm hoping we make a move. I'm hoping for us. Whitley does what he has to do. We sign some guy, and I hope he comes up and uh, does his thing quickly because I am not in a position to depend on him or Josh together. I believe separately we can get a good look, but together, nah. I just don't have that warm and fuzzy feeling. The sticks will get there. If I had a concern with the sticks, it was that, as usual, it took, you know, the first time around the rotation to get things going. But, I mean, that's normal for the Astros. Do we have three to four innings like we used to to finally get them? I guess time will tell. Our our lineup is comparable. It's comparable to the, to the Red Sox, who don't have Mookie Betts but put up 13 runs. The Yankees, who have 20 and 30 home run guys up and down the lineup. The Twins, the Dodgers. I would argue we have the better lineup of all those guys. And that's without Jordan playing last night. So when he gets back, you really won't be able to tell me S-H-I-T about what that lineup looks like and what needs to be done. To include Kyle Tucker when he makes that transition to starting. But right now, I feel like for us to make those moves, a couple of things need to happen. Consistency from Machete. Yo, he came out strong. We're going to need that. Short in season. We don't got a lot of time to to, to wait for a, a catcher to, to get hits. Uh, the guys on the call, when we need a um, a pinch hitter like Alemis Diaz or, you know, Hernandez to come up through, do what you got to do when that moment hits you and it's time to shine, shine, baby, because we're not in a position to really wait for you to figure it out. We're going to need a solid bullpen. I don't know where Roberto Osuna is. I don't know what the situation is. But if it's just a, a conditioning thing, man, we need you, buddy. Um, we don't have the the protections we had last year. So I, be, I believe it's Presley to you or you to Presley. But we don't have our ace. Our ace is now Washington National. And I find that ironic to say this, 
to say the least, because I mean that guy did his thing for us. I don't want to mention his name because it just hurts too much. But uh, <laughs> he was our go get him out guy. He was our Mister Unhittable, and now he's wearing a Washington Nationals jersey. Sigh. But the bullpen is gonna have to be there. Um, if anything, I depend on them probably more than I should because we had our guy whose name I will not name from LSU last year. <laughs> it hurts me. It just hurts me too much that he's gone because he was so good. But I have faith. The third thing is the Stiffs are going to have to show up and show out, and we do not have to have home runs to be successful. I think the cool thing about being, bringing Brantley to this roster is it stabilizes guys who sweep for the fence. And that's Jose Altuve, which is driving me crazy. Altuve is the best hitter in baseball. So I don't need him to have 30 home runs. I need him to have like 18, 19, and like 260 million hits. And I get in 60 games, he won't get to 260. (laughs) I I joke. But at least 150, I don't think that's asking a lot from a guy who has proven on several occasions he can hit 200 plus any time he wants. I don't need him doing that because I need him to get the, the, the lineup moving and grooving. You know, and anything you can get out of Josh Reddick is a win because Kyle Tucker should be starting. I do believe in that. But I need I need us to to hit hit with a purpose. And the guy who's swing for the fences, sp- sprays them out. We don't need Springer and 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 Correa and you know Jordan all batting around the same time. Usually two to some degree. You know, space them out, man, because them strikeouts. While we didn't have a lot and we don't have a lot. I just don't need to see strikeouts right now because the league is so short. Three teams, the Astros, the Rangers, and the Oakland Athletics all won. So we got three teams in the division who are currently at least where we are standing at 1-0. No big deal, 60 games. There will be moving. But I fully anticipate the... Athletics to be on our ass the whole season. And the Rangers to some degree because they made some offseason moves. Oakland cannot start slow. They will not start slow. They have traditionally started slow. Plus, I have a grudge with Oakland. When we see old boy, the snitch, it's showtime. I expect everybody to have a home run or a triple at the, at the minimum because goddamn snitches. But they're going to be honest, man. Uh, Cleveland's not going anywhere. I fully believe that they're going to win their division. I think Minnesota was a one-off. We might not see it again, but Cleveland, we will. And them sticks they got in that roster, could they? Um, the Yankees are going to do what they do. I, I, I think Boston's going to do what they do. But I think it's going to be the Yankees pulling that off. I have high hope for the Mets in the National League. I have high hope for the Mets because that pitching staff is still top five. Why they're not winning, I don't know. But the Mets should be doing good this year. And I anticipate... That because Juan Soto is out for the Nationals for the first 14 days because he tested positive for COVID. So him with him the minus him the first nine or ten games for that squad, oh, it's gonna be a tough go. They're they climb from being dead last or near dead last to win the World Series. So it's not hard for them to do that. It's just when you don't have Juan Soto, yikes. And you are your other best hitter is now wearing an Anaheim Angels. I digress. <laughs> Eight times on, baby. But, uh, you know, how y'all win will be interesting. I fully expect St. Louis to do what they do every single year. 
that's shocking all because they they win with Rain Wright and who they just keep metering out wins and, and that's what they do. Um I think the Brewers can shock them though. I believe they can. It's just, you know, Yelich and his recovery, I don't I didn't follow it closely enough to really opine, but I do believe that that's gonna be a team to watch too. And the Dodgers. Dodgers are already two and zero, guys. What else can I say? Um Mookie Betts is on a squad that's loaded, much like we are. So I, I give no excuses to that. And they are on the revenge tour. If anybody is on a goddamn revenge tour, it's a team that got cheated out of two World Series. I'm an Astros fan, man. <laughs> we cheated. That's okay. The Yankees cheat. The Red Sox cheat. Dave, if you're listening, newsflash. Tashira and the rest of the college y'all cheating out. So we know it. But we all do it. <laughs> and I, I guess the Dodgers don't. And they are just... Johnny come lately who gets lately screwed. I have no pity for them, but I do respect that they hustle and they keep doing what they got to do. But they're 2 0, man. And they're my picks. Um, I don't have any awards to, to start handing out right now. I'll just say that in 60 games, can you really get a synopsis of what's going on? Because some of these guys have second half seasons. You don't get that now. I do like a shortened season of baseball. I always thought 100 games was a better metric. But 60, wow, that's not a lot. And you're not even playing everybody. So there's that. You should play everybody at least once on their field and once on yours. But I'm sure baseball will figure that out. Switching gears to basketball. Um, That started up with, I guess, this modified preseason. I didn't watch it. But from what I understand, the rust was still apparent. Um. And it should be because that sport requires that you run up and down the court. And they won't have masks on, so that's what it is, you know. Hopefully they stay in the bubble. You guys know the NBA, the guys, amen. (laughs) If you follow enough Reddit or Instagram or Twitter, you know the guys in that bubble are going crazy. And they have already made calls to some of their favorite locals to do what locals do. This is not that pod, but had it been, you guys know what I'm talking about. Oh, hey, man. I ain't mad at them, but you increase the chance to COVID when you bring people into y'all's bubble. That's all I'll say. But uh, not judging. It's going to be interesting to see how this goes with some of these teams. I'm not used to not seeing the Golden State or a team with Kevin Durant of any oak not playing, but that's what that is. I'm excited for these rookies. I'm excited for Zion to finish his off and John Morant. These, they have electrified. Um, I'm excited for... Honestly, the Nuggets, I have always felt like that team, once they got it all together, had the best team of anybody who doesn't have a full-time all-star, etc., etc. Yes, I get that they have probably the best center in basketball. But everybody else is just really, really good. You know, Jamal Murray, really, really good. Um, the other starters whose names escape me right now, they're really good guys. But do they have enough to overcome the Lakers? Do they have enough to overcome the Clippers, etc.? The Clippers might shock y'all because some of y'all are thinking the Clippers are going to come full tilt. They're not. They will be absent a couple of guys. You know, they will be absent. Uh, my guy who's a former Rocket. You know what's crazy when you do live radio is that if you don't have a piece of paper in front of you, i.e. if you're ill-prepared, you'll say my guy. <laughs> I know it's Pat Bev, but, you know, you know they won't have him. And um, that's a, that's a big loss, you know. Kawhi has always required a certain amount of time off, as it is anyway. 
And if he's not getting that, he's not playing peak performance. So we'll see. You know, same for uh, Paul George. He's required time off, too, to deal with injuries. And um, we shall see what this looks like. Um, I do for, fully believe the Clippers will be a player. But uh, Jokic and crew out in Denver, I do believe in this shortened season, has what it takes to at least make a noise. Because, you know, in a shortened season, as the Spurs taught us, you don't really need a lot but chemistry, and chemistry is big. And I like Bol Bol. You know, he's, he's out here going crazy, hitting threes at 7-7 seven, seven like his dad was, but he actually has a real game. And um, Gary Harris and, you know, Jamal Murray and Jeremy Grant and all the guys on the Paul Millsap. Paul Millsap is a goddamn headache, man, but he is consistently good. That roster to me is built in this shortened season to take on, you know, who knows, Boston. I'm just going to throw them out there. Or Philly. The two teams who I fully expect will be the last two standing in the East Coast. And they are equipped to beat them. Especially if Skinny Yochik is out here balling. But I guess we shall see. Um, as far as the future of basketball, hey man, shout out to you guys within the HBCUs. I am looking at that and it's making me smile. Looks like Mikey Williams has his top 10 down and I think three of them are HBCUs. Will he go to one? I don't know, but I was happy to see it. Aren't we all? Um... When basketball starts up, will it be more extensive? I want to cover, you know, what's going on in Houston, especially with uh, no Russ, at least for the first couple of games, because he tested positive, and we shall see how that affects them. You know what I'm saying? And honestly, I do want to discuss their awards, because I feel like there might be some guys who should have got awards who might not get them, and that's just outright stupid. My MVP, my MVP pick might shock you, but I do have a good basis as to why that guy should get it. And football. Um, I guess we'll wait and see. I am happy with the moves some of my teams have made. I'm a Texans fan, but I do follow other teams. But I think that, uh, honestly, because we don't know so much right now with COVID, we just have to wait and see if these guys are going to have masks, what kind of masks they're going to have, because tackling and things of that nature, man, it's just a lot. It's a mess. But that was a snippet of what this pod will look like. We will go heavy in topics moving forward. But uh, stay tuned. That was the intro to the show I'm currently watching, man, and this Queen of the South. All right, a muse of mine put me onto this, and my muse is amazing. If I get her on here, great. If not, let's just say that we go back and forth on music and stuff like that. But the TV show stuff is typically on par, man. Good people, good stuff. But I want to discuss Queen of the South. All right, so my son, my muse, and my barber all were like, you know, bringing up these random points in this show that I didn't really appreciate because I didn't know anything about it. But I'm here to tell you, much like I told you in Handmaid's Tale, I am late as hell on Queens of the South, and I'm kicking myself for it. I just thought it would highlight her as the drug dealer, and basically we're seeing the highs and lows of her doing it. But 
the Queen of the South is actually showing the rise of a woman who was the girlfriend of a drug dealer who turned into a mule who started working for, I guess, who would then have been the self-proclaimed Queen of the South, took her title and is now slowly building her empire. The ups and downs of this show will keep you hooked because every single second she is running for her life from, you name it, cartel members from, you know, rivals within her own unit to her drug cartel boss's husband, who was a main character in the show, at least up until recent. Um, it takes place in Mexico and the U.S. Then it starts shifting to the U.S., and right now, I am on season three, and she is setting up shop in Phoenix. Having have had family members in Phoenix, I <laughs> I look at that and I go, man, they're doing a lot in the daytime in 120-degree heat. But, you know, jokingly, I can find the humor in that, but the shows get down. Is it Narcos level? Nah. But you can see where they're trying to go with her character and the range they've given her. She has traveled and made these drug moves in Malta in South America when she dealt with this maniac and joined this cult in order to get the coke. I mean, it's it's riveting, man. It is mind-blowing. I, I highly recommend you get into that show if you have not already got into it. A sleeper show that I will bring up is Rami on Hulu. Rami stars an Egyptian-American young man who grew up around post-9-11 and into his adulthood, he is struggling with the decision of marriage and how to get arranged. If you're fresh off of Indian matchmaking, think of it like this. They follow Vinny around and all of a sudden Vinny got his own show. But the highs and lows of it, because you see the funny story. I mean, Rami Yusuf is amazingly good. At this. He's won an award, by the way. And the man's legit. Um, Golden Globe, I believe. Uh, daytime, maybe. I don't know. I'm not for sure. But I know the Golden Globe for sure. Um, the show centers around him and his family and his uh, buddies. But more specifically him and his ups and downs and dating and jobs and just trying to do self-discovery. Stumbled upon it on Hulu. And I was pleasantly surprised because Rami is really all of us, man. It just He just happens to be you know, of a certain background, which needs more attention and more spotlights. I do believe and support the process of seeing our Muslim brothers and sisters on TV, our, you know, people of the LGBTQIA community getting more TV run, um, people of color, all of that, because there's not enough. And because of that, we have disparities and we are whitewashed, if you so I'm all about that. And I think Rami will really give you a good look into a typical young man's life, minus the old arrangement and quick marriage to that part of it. But I think if you got into it, you would like it. Excuse the noise in the background. The garbage man is here picking up trash. And this is live from my garage. So you might hear that. I actually own it. And I hope that you can uh, bear with me as we push through it. Yes. Brother's doing a good job today. And if you listen to this show, it's right in the middle of a hurricane, so there is that. Being in Houston, you get a hurricane, you freak out, but I'm learning they're used to this kind of thing, so I'm going to be used to it too. But transitioning back to the shows that I watched. I watched that recently. I watched Queen of the South recently. And the third show that just ended that me and my wife kind of got into, and it's pissing me off, 
is the 100. This is the end of season seven, which they've left enough cliffhangers for season eight that you know it's going to happen. The reason why the 100 pisses you off is you can tell the writers have every intention on getting to a point to where they don't have a real finale. So they give you a horrible finale with Lucians. I hate that. I'd rather you take your time, write a finale. Now, from what I'm being told, this is two parts this year. So we got the first nine episodes now, but the next six or seven will get starting up on August the 10th. I hate that, but I understand. And I hope that the conclusion ties all these random storylines they got us roped into together. Because, how do I put it? I like when shows have additional storylines. The Wire was good with that. You had so many different storylines. But they tied in. Some of these are trailing off and I'm starting to get worried that the writers might have to do a lot of character development on people who this show hasn't heavily emphasized. So we're learning new people more and more and it just makes my brain have to work. And on the weekends, I, I don't like committing my brain to that kind of process, but I'll do it if I have to if it enhances my show quality this is a another show i'm doing shows because guys this is all you can do during covid right uh bosh bosh is real good at keeping characters this is on amazon in their place and that character development of that character in that place i want to say bosh has had the same people since the first episode to now they they introduced us to a female detective a new one but she came from the power season and she had sprinkles in from the season before. And now she's full-time on Bosch's unit. And I like their direction. I like how it's well-written. Anything with Jamie Hector, you know is going to be well-written. Because his character type, the way they typecasted him, is somewhere criminal justice related. So, if you see Jamie Hector, he's either playing a detective or a drug lord. The two shows that I have mentioned him so far, he's in. Three, actually, because he was in The Wire, Drug Lord, <laughs> Queen of the South, Executive Drug Lord, and Bosch Detective, who basically goes after Drug Lords. I, I can't make it up. He is not a show killer. He is a show, it just got real guy. If you see Jamie Hector in your show, assume it just got real. You know, And that's just it. There was a, a, a Twitter segment about show killers. And some of the guys that you once they see them on there, you know the show is over. I suggested Ray J. And I'm not rattling off, I promise. But <laughs> I have ADHD and you guys will, will notice. Uh, Ray J, when he had the show, it was on life support. There was no coming back. Uh, there was a couple of other characters that they had in there. They said when that guy hits the show, like Funk Flex, you know, uh, when he hits the show. But Ray J is a clear indicator. But Jamie Hector is a show realist when you watch him on any show it just got real something is about to go down and you need to keep an eye on it and he's in he is the i guess the second lead actor in Bosch, or maybe it'd be his daughter i don't know but jamie keeps it i mean he's the balance him and the uh police chief on that show are the balance the Bosch is brilliant it's a good show i highly recommend um the last show i will bring up I had it, but the trash can distracted me. It was um, let's see, there's so many. You know what? We'll just do it. Indian matchmaking, and if the other one comes, I'll bring it up in there too. 
or in their matchmaking. Me and the wife got into that one, right? We uh, saw the hype on it online and was like, give it a shot. <laughs> if you do not know Indian culture, okay, so in essence, some of them are more modern and they date and they find love and that's great. Others rely on a matchmaker. And she has these books that hold your bio data, which is basically your bio, bio, biological or biographical data. It'll say your height, your weight, your education. It's like a whole narrative of who you are. It's like your LinkedIn and your plenty of fish combined. And all of a sudden, boom, here you are. And uh, you're looking for the ideal wife or the ideal husband. You go on a couple of dates, the family meets, and boom, that's it. Now, now what was interesting about this show was literally on your first date, you could be meeting the whole damn family. <laughs> there have been first dates where I have smashed. So the conundrum of seeing how in their culture, you know, you meet the first date and you meet the entire family versus some of the stuff I've seen in my lifetime, it kind of threw me off a bit. But that's cultural differences, man. And that's kind of where we get. Am I proud of it? Yeah. But, you know, I'm older now and I got daughters and sons and I wouldn't tell them to do the shit that I did. But needless to say, watching this show opened me up to a whole bunch of weird things. But good things. But different things. Different things. So is it weird to me that I meet the whole family? Yes. But to them, that's fine. And I roll with that. So imagine, gents or ladies, you go on a date and his mama sitting there judging you. You know, looking at the stuff on, in, in the paper that said that you're supposed to be 5'4", 36, 30, 22, 36, or whatever your measurements are. And, you know, highly educated, but you smoke or you drink. Or, and this was one of the episodes, you may be a divorcee. All of a sudden, she don't like you. And it ain't going to go no further. Because moms and them shows, moms in that culture, their hand and their power and their grip is like, I mean, it's, it's where it's at. But it's interesting from a perspective of human nature and learning other cultures, right? I learned that they do place a heavy emphasis on where you are and where you are going. But don't we all? I mean, don't we want somebody who's going in the direction where we can grow together? But some of the guys didn't. Some of the guys, like us, in all other cultures, just wanted the physical. They just wanted to, hey, man, do she look good in the car next to me? What it looks like. And, and you learn that the women were looking for where you're going, what you're doing. You know, attraction wasn't as high an emphasis as it could have been. I will say that. Pause, by the way. I will say that one of the show's lead characters, Nadia, you can tell that the, the three guys that they introduced her to were, were more attractive than most of the other guys. So she may have been angling for attraction and, and success, etc. But it seems like she just wanted happiness too, and it just happened just so happened because of her level of attraction and, and everything else that she had. That that's who they would match her up with. You got this old. So this matchmaker is this older woman who has his data, and she's looking like she's basically matching you. Case if you're a case manager, you can appreciate it, right? So she's looking at you know your service plan and this person's service plan. And finding things that mesh well and going, boom, based on this, you guys would be a good couple. And, you know, she's calling, she's negotiating. And some of the characters I've mentioned reached out to her and boom. Of course, Houston would be the first 
city highlighted. And the, and the woman from Houston, she's more of the modern person. She has to discover who she is before she can move because it felt like every time they brought someone her way, she rejected them or she rejected the notion that they liked something that she didn't. There was a guy on there who, honestly, the, the second date, I thought he was the one. But it just felt like he was a turnoff. The first guy, mom didn't like her. She didn't like him. Because I think mom more felt like, I know my daughter, this ain't going to work. But dang, I mean, she's, she's, she's like a tough cookie. But you learn later on that she's doing self-discovery and you kind of get that. Because she's probably not ready to really have the marriage that all the others were seeking to. Now, I cheated. Because Netflix does this thing that I hate where they give you some conclusion that you have to go research what really happened because they don't give you what happened. Turns out no one really matchmates from the first season. So many of them you might see on season two if there is one. But I'm rooting because everyone should be happy. You know, I just celebrated my fifth wedding anniversary. I couldn't be more happier. Things perfect? Hell no. I, I pray for more nachos. <laughs> Shout out to my boy LZ. You know, nachos are uh, are luxury. <laughs> that you know, when you get them, you appreciate them. Um, we say, man, that through this pandemic, you have to do what you have to do. And I watch a lot of TV. Now that sports is back, you guys are gonna hear me on this pod because I got nothing better to do. Uh, shout out to my new listeners. Shout out to those who stuck out this long and heard the intro and the Astros segment. And my brief touch on TV, I just kind of wanted to tell you guys how this is going to go. I'm not going to do a third segment on race and politics, but let's just say I am monitoring the situations that are going on because of Breonna Taylor's, the people who punished and hurt and killed her still walk free. And we still have to have that conversation. Um, we still are months away from an election and the current sitting Democratic nominee just called Donald Trump the first racist president. I still have to scrape my jaw off the floor for some of the things that he says because I'm convinced he does not have a handler. Someone who can just monitor words that come out of his mouth or someone on the other side of the camera going say this, holding up a cue card or something because he will go off the rails and say some of the dumbest things on the man. But I'm holding my nose and voting blue no matter who to get this dumbass out the office. I am not a Trump fan, as you will learn. All right. That being said, thank you guys for listening to the show. Live from my garage, it's your boy E, and I am out. At night I can't sleep, I toss and turn Candlesticks in the dark, visions of bodies being burned Four walls just staring at a nigga I'm paranoid, sleeping with my finger on the